the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt on 930 AM, The Answer, where I help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. This bonus episode focuses on the United States Supreme Court. You may remember some of these facts from high school in your civics class. Because I'm very passionate about holding true to the principles, values, and structure of government as was established by our founding fathers, I'd like to take a few minutes to remind you about the Supreme Court. The founders of the United States believed in the rule of law. Instead of the rule of the king, or the rule of oligarchy, or aristocracy, which is whoever has the money makes the rules. We believe in the rule of law, and the primary source of our law in the United States is our Constitution. The Constitution is the framework that balances power between three branches of government, the executive, that's the president, the legislative, that's the Congress and the Senate, and the judiciary, that's the Supreme Court. They all balance each other's power. The Supreme Court is the most visible of all the federal courts. The number of justices is determined by Congress rather than the Constitution. And the first Congress to establish the number of justices was uh, back in 1798 when they passed the Judiciary Act. It created a Supreme Court with six justices, and it also established the lower federal court system. Now that Judiciary Act was amended in 1869 when the Senate and the Congress decided that the Supreme Court should be eight associate justices and one chief justice. So since 1869, the court has been composed of nine justices. Let's talk about the constitutional article that sets up the Supreme Court. That's Article 3. Section 1 is the vesting clause. It says, The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court, and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The justices, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior, and shall, at stated times, receive for their services compensation 
which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office, which is the reason that they did that was uh, so that the Congress couldn't punish the justices for ruling in a way that uh, the Congress didn't want them to and uh, diminish their pay as a punishment. So the many times these are lifetime appointments and they can't be removed unless they're impeached. Okay, so we're talking about the Supreme Court because they recently made some decisions and now we're going to talk about more about the Judiciary Act of 1789. So the Congress has the authority to create lower courts and this uh, Judiciary Act of 1789, interestingly enough, was signed into law by President George Washington. So he had a hand in it as well. The Judiciary Act established the structure and jurisdiction of the federal court system and created the position of Attorney General. Although amended throughout the years by Congress, the basic outline of the federal court system remains largely the same today. Here's something that I'll just mention and then talk about it again later. Uh, the Judiciary Act of 1789 gave the Supreme Court original jurisdiction to issue writs of mandamus. A writ of mandamus is a legal order compelling government officials to act in accordance with the law. We'll come back to that in a moment. Another law that's important to the Supreme Court is the Certiorari Act of 1925. When exercising its appellate jurisdiction, the Supreme Court, with few exceptions, is not required to hear a case. But this act gives the court the discretion to decide whether or not to take a case. In a petition for a writ of certiorari, a party asks the court to review its case. The Supreme Court usually agrees to hear about 100 to 150 cases each year. So there, there's probably 7,000 or more petitions, but the Supreme Court agrees to hear between 100 and 150. Another thing that the Supreme Court is known for is its uh, power for judicial review. This power was established by a Supreme Court case called Marbury versus Madison. The plaintiff was William Marbury. The defendant was James Madison, the Secretary of State. What happened was Thomas Jefferson defeated John Adams in the year 1800 presidential election. But before Jefferson took office... President John Adams and the Congress passed the Judiciary Act of 1801, which created new courts, added more judges, and gave the president more control over the appointment of judges. President Adams appointed 16 new circuit judges and 42 new justices of the peace. The appointees were approved by the Senate, but they would not be valid until their commissions were delivered by the Secretary of State. Hence the problem. William Marbury was one of the newly appointed justices of the peace in the District of Columbia, but his commission was not delivered by the Secretary of State, James Adams. 
So Marbury petitioned the Supreme Court to compel Secretary of State James Madison to deliver these commission documents. Marbury was joined by three other similarly situated appointees and petitioned for writ of mandamus. Remember that Judiciary Act of 1801 is what gave the Supreme Court authority to issue a writ of mandamus. But here's what the question of the court in this case was, does the Supreme Court have the authority to order the delivery of their commissions? The court decided that uh, James Madison's refusal to deliver the commissions illegal, but did not order Madison to hand over the commission via the writ of mandamus. Instead, the court held that the, the provision of the Judiciary Act of 1789 enabling Marbury to bring his claim to the Supreme Court was unconstitutional. I'll say that again. The provision in the Judiciary Act that enabled Marbury to bring a claim to the Supreme Court was unconstitutional because the act was uh, established by Congress, but it contradicted Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution. And so this was important. The court explained that a writ mandamus was a proper way to seek a remedy, but concluded the Supreme Court could not issue it. The reason is, again, because that act conflicted with the Constitution. Congress did not have the power to modify the Constitution through regular legislation because of the Supremacy Clause, and I'll talk about that next. But first, what this case did was establish the principle of judicial review, the power of the Supreme Court to declare a law to be unconstitutional. The Supremacy Clause is in Article 6, Clause 2. It says, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in this Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. The Supremacy Clause was a response to the problems of the Articles of Confederation, which was the governing law of the land before our current Constitution was established. The Articles of Confederation were effective from 1781 to 1789. And during that time period, federal statutes did not bind state courts unless the states implemented those federal statutes as well. So when the Constitution was ratified in 1788, it included this supremacy clause to bring order to the nation so that uh, each state wasn't considered to be its own nation, basically. Supremacy clause is among the Constitution's most significant structural provisions, and the Supreme Court has continued to apply this foundational principle that federal law prevails over conflicting state law. So this is significant when we're talking about 
the opinions of the Supreme Court uh, this past term because the court is we're going to find that the court has overruled some statutes and and some proceedings and so the we needed to know that the Supreme Court has the ability for judicial review. So if you have questions about the constitutionality of a law, well, you you can bring your complaint to the state courts and go up to the state Supreme Court. And sometimes when state courts have conflicting opinions about the constitutionality of a law, the Supreme Court will intervene. Another time the Supreme Court intervenes is is when f- federal courts have conflicting opinions about a, a federal law. Like back in the 1970s when there were conflicting abortion laws, that's when the Supreme Court uh, intervened to settle the issue on abortion. Of course, that that decision has been overturned uh, recently. But it just goes to show you that uh, the Supreme Court changes over time as well. And the makeup of the court changes mostly when somebody passes away. But a Supreme Court justice is also allowed to retire. Uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor retired. Uh, She left the court before she passed away. Justice Scalia... He left the court by way of his demise. And so then the president, whoever's president at the time, gets to decide who to appoint to the Supreme Court to fill the vacancy. There have been questions uh, recently in the news about whether this current president, President Joe Biden, will add additional justices to the Supreme Court. Of course, that would require uh, an amendment to the Judiciary Act, and that requires uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate to vote on that. I don't think that's likely to happen. So we've been talking about the Supreme Court of the United States and how it fits in with our rule of law, constitutional law, and the review of laws to determine their constitutionality. And part of the decisions that they made were about affirmative action. They made a decision about the First Amendment. They made a decision about student loans, religious accommodations, trademark infringement, And so if you have questions about those cases, uh, give us a call or email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. You can find other episodes of Talk Law Radio on YouTube, Facebook Live, www.talklawradio.com, www.930amtheanswer.com. And you can listen to 9.30 a.m. Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock in the morning. And you can listen to these bonus episodes on Sundays at 4.30 in the afternoon. 
Or you can find me on podcasts everywhere, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Okay, we're just going to go back and reiterate some of these points again that the reason we're talking about the Supreme Court is because they've made some decisions. They've declared some procedures to be unconstitutional. And I wanted you to know the background and how the Supreme Court started and and the framework that it operates by. Because they balance the judi- they balance the legislative, which is the the House of Representatives and the Senate, and they balance the the president's power. And so this system of checks and balances is there for our own good. We don't want any one branch to have too much power because bad things will happen. Most notably, we could lose our freedom and liberty and and our way of life. We don't want that to happen. We don't want to devolve into a system of, of laws that are going to tell us what to do, how to run our businesses, and so forth. We want to have the most freedom and liberty that we can because when a person consolidates power, they tend to exercise it in their own interest. And the United States is was not set up that way, and we don't want it to become that way. We want to be free people, don't we? So it all goes back to the rule of law and primary basis of our law in the United States is the Constitution of the United States. We always want to respect that as the primary law. If any other law contradicts the Constitution, the Supreme Court is there to say so, say that law is unconstitutional. And if the legislators want to amend the Constitution, they can. Our Constitution started with Ten Amendments, and we'll talk about the freedom of speech, the the First Amendment, and we'll talk about the Fourteenth Amendment, which was to prevent uh, discrimination and equal protection of the laws. So we, we have a history in the country of not applying the laws equally, but we also have a history of correcting those those problems as they come up. And we need to keep in mind that we, we can always make corrections. But the legislature cannot make changes that are in violation of the Constitution. And the, the president cannot issue executive orders in violation of the Constitution. That's another one of the court cases that the Supreme Court decided was about whether President Biden could uh, forgive student loan debt. And that that brings up another point that um, when, when a person, an individual, is in debt, they have less freedom, right? Because they can't go out to eat. They can't buy things that they want because all of their money is being tied up in debt. And so I think that reduces a person's freedom. 
And likewise, if our national debt continues to grow, at some point you would imagine that the U.S. government is going to have some restrictions on spending at some point. Or it's going to tax the people, which is going to reduce the amount of income you have to spend how you want and further reduce your freedom. So I think we need to pay attention to debt as uh, a means of reducing our freedom. We don't want that to happen, and I think that the, the, the government is either acting reckless in their spending without thought of how it's going to affect us in the future, or they're doing it on purpose because they see it as a way to restrict our freedom and take control of, of business and start to behave more like uh, the USSR, and we don't want that. We want to expand our freedom every chance we can get so that we don't have the government taking away our freedoms. Okay, all that being said, I want to remind you about the episode where I talk more specifically about all of these cases. So I'm going to go through my outline here just to tell you. Um, And the reason I, I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court decisions is because all of the media I saw, read, and heard uh, after these decisions were published, uh, nobody really discussed the decisions. They just talked about what it means politically for one party or the other. So I wanted to talk about the details of those cases so that you could understand why they decided what they decided. Whether you agree with it or not is, is up to you. I also wanted to mention that I I know that these are controversial subjects, and feel free to comment on our Facebook page or Twitter or YouTube, but if you say anything nasty, if you type anything nasty, you're going to be banned. We can have a civil discussion. I love to hear other points of view, but if you call me names or you use bad words, you're going to be banned. Okay, here's uh, more about what the episode went into. And there's hidden legal issue blind spots here. Getting into college without affirmative action. Being an artist, running a business, and using those avenues to express your free speech. Uh, We also talked about uh, sinners and saints. So that it's unrelated to the Supreme Court decisions, but still an interesting uh, focus there. And then uh, today was our, our deep dive into the Supreme Court and how it operates. Again, this is Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Also on podcasts everywhere, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Search for me, you'll find me. And if you want to be notified when episodes are published, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube videos. YouTube videos are great because they they break up our episodes into four segments, and sometimes those are easier to digest when you're walking the dog, 
doing the dishes, or taking your kids to school. Thank you for joining me on Talk Law Radio. This is a special episode about the Supreme Court and how it operates and why it's important. It's important for our freedom. Remember that, because our founding fathers were very smart in setting things up this way. We, we need to know how all of this works. And you can listen to me, you can listen to other radio hosts to, to learn about how our nation is structured. We want to make sure to, to continue this tradition because it has worked. We want to do things that work, that have good results. And whenever we have freedom and liberty and the opportunity to serve our God in our way, I think that we're, we're living life the way we are intended to. And so teach these things to your neighbors and friends and especially your children. Make sure that they know how important liberty and freedom is. Uh, You don't want to give up your liberty and freedom for benefits that the government is going to hand out because handouts always come with restrictions. So keep listening to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And if you have ideas for show topics, hidden legal issue blind spots that you've discovered, email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. And I'll respond to your email. I'm happy to explore new legal issues. If you're an attorney and you have an interesting perspective on the law, I'd love to hear from you. I frequently have attorney experts on the air to talk about their focus and their practice and the hidden legal issue blind spots that they see. So give us a call or email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.